The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. The game is over, but we're just getting started. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter, presented by Twitch on the Raiders Podcast Network. Well, Raider Nation, here we are again. The Raiders fall to the Pittsburgh Steelers 13-10 in what is, I think, fair to say a microcosm of the 2022 NFL season for the Las Vegas Raiders. Eddie Pascal with my man Jason Fitz in the fifth quarter presented by Twitch. Look at that rhyming on a holiday. And Fitz, first of all, so fantastic to spend a little bit of this holiday with you. You look well. I wish you and yours nothing but happiness. Uh, and unfortunately, the silver and black did not deliver that to us today. So, like I said at the top, man, it just really feels like 2022 in a nutshell these past three hours, doesn't it? Yeah, well, and by the way, I love the fact that you're, for anyone that's watching us and not listening to us, you're wearing a festive Raider sweater. I'm wearing a holiday hoobie. What do you, I, I, I decided to go Grinch because the Grinch sure. just stole more of my joy on this uh, on this Christmas Eve edition, right? But th- this game was just like so much of the season in the sense that there were times that this Raiders team looked really good. And there were times that you thought, you know what, they've got it figured out. And there were times that weaknesses looked like strength. And then as the game wore on, it just felt like all of that mirage, that house of cards, just sort of crumbled late in the game. And I, I think I echo the sentiment of most fans that were watching when Pittsburgh got the ball back with a few minutes left. You just kind of knew where this thing was going. You can only ask that defense to do so much. And defense played really well, but unfortunately couldn't get the stop when they needed it most. And and I agree with you 100%. And, and it's just, you think of that final drive and it felt very Ramsey, didn't it? It felt very mm-hmm. uh, like I've seen this movie before. And unfortunately for Raiders fans, they have seen this movie before. Uh, and you brought up a great point, though, that I want to I want to kind of hit on there for a second, Fitz. You can only ask this defense to do so much, right? You and I have talked about it a lot this year. We talked about it last year. This defense is not the 85 Bears, right? This defense, keeping in mind that you're down at the end of the game, you're down Chandler Jones out with injury and Denzel Perryman out with injury. Fitz literally going into the darkness right now, which is so good. Which is so good. (laughs) I'm going to be the bougiest person ever. I hope all of this makes the episode. Hey, Google, turn on lights look at that. see uh, can I, I i i'll tell you this see you gotta I'll laugh have, man you gotta laugh the the reason i'm downstairs by the way echoing this i'm in connecticut right yeah uh, my office where i usually do this show from is a room that does not have heat in it right it's above the garage and it's like negative five six in there so yeah. i was like i'll take everything down and i'll do it in the dining room so i close the curtain set it up and then the dining room lights apparently went off. So there we go. It's just a, you're, that's a microcosm of my season. Oh, it's so good. But like I said, I mean, you're you're down your your defense that you know. To be fair, I think played pretty well for the most part of this game. But you're down Chandler Jones. You're down Denzel Perryman. You can only ask so much of them, right? It, it we I think that there was a collective feeling that the levees were going to break at some point in that final drive. You're like, do they have one more in them? They've given everything they got. Max Crosby is running on fumes out there. That guy looks exhausted. Do they have one more in them? And unfortunately, they didn't. But I think the kind of bigger point to that is the defense shouldn't have been in that position. Right, Fitz? 
hundred percent. And look, there's going to be some real fair questions when we break down the film on that last drive, because it did feel very Ramsey. And again, it felt like they were leaving the middle of the field wide open in a super safe playback zone. And I don't necessarily understand that because this defense doesn't do that particularly well quite often. I thought, you know, in a game where Max wasn't able to have the impact that we sometimes see him have, but Clee Furl had a, a beautiful game. I mean, Clee was all over the place, but, it, but to your point, you reach that fourth quarter drive, you need somebody other than Max to be able to make a play. And there just wasn't anybody there. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, they had time to throw the football. They had time to find the open guys in the middle of the field was being left wide open uh, by that defense, not just on the last play, but for the last three or four plays. So it just sort of all felt like it imploded. I'm not going to put that squarely on the defense though, because again, you held them to 13 points. Like, when you hold the other team to 13 points and you have this offense, which, by the way, is now healthy, you should win these football games. Yeah, and, and I mean, and here's the deal, too. And, and Jesse Merrick, our, our mutual friend, just tweeted this out. And I think this kind of really is a, is a perfect encapsulation for what the Raiders offense did or candidly did not do tonight. Uh, Raiders offensive drives per Jesse Merrick after the field goal that made it 10-3 to Raiders. One play, zero yards, interception. Five plays, 15 yards, interception. Six plays, negative three yards, punt. Five plays, 13 yards, punt. Three plays, five yards, punt. Two plays, zero yards, interception. That's a wrap. The Raiders gained in the second half, Jason Fitz, 30 yards on offense. Which would be an abomination if that's the first time we've seen closure in the second half, but it's not. So, like, now you got to ask yourself, what's going wrong? Like, why are all the things that feel like they're working early on? Because this is the chess match of football, right? So the Raiders come out with the game plan. The Steelers adjust to that game plan. Why is there no then counter adjustment to the adjustment? Like, it, it just feels like in the second half, more often than not, this is something I harped on a couple of weeks ago when the Raiders imploded on the second half. And I kept saying, they ran 20 plays in the second half. You cannot win football games if you are putting your defense on the field too much. And if you can't drives and this team in the second half Kansas like I, I'm not even faulting the interceptions which you know as when it's that cold out it was an easy sure. bet to say hey there were going to be some interceptions uh, but I am looking at it and saying everything's out of sync passing was just I mean the number of times that it was a weird throw to Devontae like it was not Derek Carr's finest hour so when you look across the board and the offense is healthy and you have Derek Carr, I expected more. I expected more from the offense in this particular game. And and look, I think that this is where I kind of stand on things. And I've always been really honest with you about, I don't want to say my shortcomings, but the things that I'm not particularly good at, right? I've never claimed to be an X's and O's guru, right? I have never claimed to be someone who is breaking down tape for hours on end. But one thing that I, I do kind of pride myself on is I, I like to live in a world of like reason and rationale, right? If A plus B equals C, then, you know, you know, the opposite is also true. You're going into a game in Pittsburgh, right? You're traveling east on a short week. The weather was the weather, right? The weather affected the Raiders. It also affected the Steelers. But I'm thinking on, you know, in the week leading up to this game, if you're going to have these adverse conditions that Mother Nature is going to send your way for the holiday, it almost felt like the Raiders were built to withstand those because when they're at their best, they are a run-first team. And you know what travels really well when it's windy and snowy and cold is a run game. And you look at that opening drive against the Steelers today, Raiders go 14 plays, 72 yards, eat up almost eight and a half minutes a clock, and you say, yes, this is it. This is the formula. Let's run this back for the next three and a half quarters. And, and I think for me, it's, it's confusing, Fitz, where you look and, and Josh Jacobs' numbers at the end of the day, 
15 carries, 44 yards. There was only other – Brandon Bolden was the only other running back that got a touch, and he had one carry for zero yards. Your second leading rusher today was Derek Carr. So I, I guess for me, like, I'm just confused, right? And I, I'm not in the business of questioning anyone or, you know, this is, this is what we should do or we shouldn't do. I guess just Eddie wanting to know is curious – okay, it works so well in the opening series, but then you get away from that. Like That, to me, is the hard part uh, of trying to compute this win, or excuse me, this loss. I, I think there are moments later in the first half where what you saw Pittsburgh doing is doing a bunch of run blitz fits, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they were bringing every Because the Raiders were not effectively, anybody watching the first drive, even the commentators on the NFL Network were like, oh, it looks like the ball's coming out high. It looks like the ball's coming out late. They're having a hard time throwing the football. If Pittsburgh sees that, they say, okay, don't worry about it. We're not going to worry about defending the pass right now. Let's just send everything we have at shutting Josh Jacobs down. But the crazy part to me is that they only had to do that a few times because for whatever reason, once there's a couple of negative rubs on the books, we get away from it. What's crazy to me is that we don't get away from negative passes. Like when we have those drives that are three and out, but we threw the ball three times or interceptions, we, we continue to throw the football because it's a strength to the personnel. Well, my thing is that, if you have three or four drives that you only get four or five plays, but it's because you were continuing to hammer the football down their throats, I think that pays dividends late in the fourth quarter. That's something we – how many times a month ago did we see Josh Jacobs running for huge yardage in the late third, fourth quarter because you've worn him down? It's just – we get away from that. And and that that takes a discipline in play calling. It takes a discipline in approach. It takes understanding that, you know, you, you have a certain set of goals you're trying to accomplish. And it feels like we came out in the second half and all of a sudden lost all of our rhythm. And once we lose that momentum and rhythm, I don't know that this Raiders offense knows how to get it back. And and to be fair, right, we talk about Josh in the second half and how effective he's been when this team has been good. Josh did have a few really nice runs in the second half, the best of which was called back for a penalty, right? I mean, Foster Moreau, I mean, how often, fits or how seldom do you see a face mask on a running play, right? Yeah. Never it was see a good that. call. It was a it great was a no, good call. And listen, Foster, yeah. hey, Foster got his money worth on that one, right? I mean, he yeah, had yeah, full yeah. he had full hand in the mask. But I mean, you look and and I guess if you know, I don't even want to say a positive, but you know, last week the Raiders have 13 penalties. This week you're down to two, but both of those penalties so costly. You talk about the timing of these penalties, right? The Foster uh, uh the Foster, excuse me, the face mask, the false start, like it was just both of them completely threw the Raiders off of schedule. Uh, and unfortunately tonight, they just couldn't bounce back and, and you know put some points on the board or enough points on the board. But, but think about what the echoed sentiment is every week. Like I, I keep saying this about the Raiders this year. It would be so easy if you and I could come together and say, you know what? Here's the one thing to fix, yes. right? This year, like look, look at today's game. We saw Foster Morrow have a couple of drops that I think he'd want back, a penalty that he wanted back, you know, a, it was not his finest game, right? So you look at and say there were moments. You had Hunter, the, the ball was a little behind Hunter Renfro, but usually a ball he catches that turned into a pick. Uh, there were just a couple of passes that looked like they went errant. There was one moment where Devontae, I thought they came down with it on the sideline, almost had it, didn't quite have it. Like we saw so many little close moments to being either big plays or we saw mistakes from different people. I don't know how you fix that easily. Like it, it's not like you can look at this team and say, ah, I figured it out. The one way to fix it is to fix this position and fix that player. It's not that simple. And, and I mean, I know we talked about it at the top. I mean, that's the 2022 Raiders in a nutshell, though, right? That is, you know, this this area of the game is great one week, is not so great the following week. You're an inch away here. You're one play away for there. You're one ill time penalty here from being a completely different season. And it, it just, 
to your point, it is it is maddening. It's confusing. It's just kind of unexplainable how these odd, bizarre things just stack up on each other. And the end result, uh, unfortunately, now is nine losses for the 2022 Raiders. And, and like, I, I'm with you, though. Like, I don't know. Like, if we had the magic wand, right? Here, let's play the game, Fitz. Fitz, I'll give you a magic wand. You get one wish to fix the 2022 Raiders. Where are you going? I, I don't know. I, like, it, it, we're living in a year where Devontae's having an, an incredible season, right? Like, Josh Jacobs came into this game the leading r- rusher in the NFL. Max Crosby's having a, a season that's even better than his contract. I mean, uh, the stars have played like stars. It just hasn't helped. Like, that that's the weirdest part of all of it. Like, some, some years, if I'd have told you back in August, hey, Eddie, Christmas Eve, we're going to hang out after a game. That game is going to have a wind chill of about negative 10 degrees in Pittsburgh. There's going to be snowy flurries. Jacobs never really gets rolling. The offense struggles. The Raiders lose 13 to 10. If I say that to you in August, in those conditions with those qualifiers, you're probably like, okay, checks out. Makes sense. It's, yep. it's Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh. It'll add the Franco stuff to it. Makes sure. sense. The problem is it's not just that one. There's a yeah, but for of these nine losses now. There's a how the hell did that happen? About six of them. So like, how how do you make heads or tails of that? Like, that's going to be the weirdest thing because if this team ends up, you know, now they have an incredibly difficult game against. I think the two best, two of the three best teams in the NFL yeah. in the next two weeks, right? So you got the 49ers and the Chiefs. If this team finishes, you know, six and, and six and ten uh, or six and eleven this year, I guess that would be at this point. If they finish six and eleven, like I I don't remember seeing a six and eleven team that you could easily sit down and say, hey, well, it you know, look at the way these games are. like it, it's just a confusing season to try and figure out how to analyze because I really don't know right now if the Raiders are good at a lot of things, I don't know if they're bad at a lot of things. I don't know if we're just unlucky at a lot of things. I, I can't figure it out. That's, that's, I mean, incredibly well said because like, I will just go, we'll go, maybe we'll just do offense defense. Cause the special teams, I think they've been, I mean, I know AJ had that one kind of clunker punt today, but there's been moments this year where this Raiders offense has been incredibly dynamic where you felt re- if you're a fan, if you're a member of the Raider nation, you feel really good about your offense. And then there's been moments where you don't feel good and you're confused and you have questions. On the defensive side of the football, there's been moments, I would say today, by and large, I felt really good about the Raiders' defense today. I felt really good about them. There have also been moments in the year where you do not feel really good about them. And as bizarre as it sounds, Fitz, it feels like those two things don't line up. So, like, when the offense has a, the offense is on, the defense isn't having a good day. The defense is balling out like they were today. The offense can't find its rhythm. So it really does just kind of create this muddled confusion of who are the 2022 Las Vegas, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders. And I don't know if we're going to get a, a, a good, firm answer in the next two weeks. Even drive to drive. Hay- Hayward, yeah. by the way, was an absolute beast today. Oh. Hayward was a beast today. We have seen, well, and, we and real quick, this, Dylan Parm's going to be okay. That's a rookie who was just taking his lumps today. Yeah, 100%. And we started today, and, and we saw the starting lineup for the offensive line. How many of us sort of nodded our head and thought, all right, we got we got the guys in. We're going to be just fine, you know? And, and I agree with you. I think Parm's going to be a star at that position for a very long time. Today was not that day. So one drive, you'll have a totally neutralized Hayward that's not making those plays. 
and all of a sudden it feels like the Raiders are doing things incredibly well. A couple of a uh, couple of different times that they were running and the jump cut runs that everybody keeps talking about felt like they were doing a great job of pushing Hayward out of the way, and before you know it, it creates a lane for Josh to go down. A beautiful thing of beauty. But then the next drive, it's like the minute the ball is snapped, all of a sudden they're just collapsed on. And one of the things that I think is a real trick for this offense, and I the solution to this, but the number of times that they're snapping the ball with one second left, which I have to tell everybody, mm-hmm. like if you are a defensive lineman and you see it coming down to the wire, you can better anticipate that snap because you will, you know, there's one going to nil, you know, when to get off the snap. Like if you the ball sometimes with four seconds left and sometimes with seven seconds left, if you vary the snap count, then or the snap timing, it keeps the defensive line at bay. When the Raiders aren't doing that, what do you see? If, if you are so busy moving people all over the place that then you snap the ball as the clock hits zeros, the D-line just keyed off on that and they blow the run up in the back. It's happening every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, you talk about kind of that that drive-to-drive, almost play-by-play kind of Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde situation for the Raiders. I mean, you see these moments from Renfro, right? That Renfro touchdown, you're not going to find a prettier touchdown in 22, especially from Renfro. And I can't believe, as crazy as it sounds, that was his first touchdown of the year. But, I mean, that was the best version of Hunter Renfro, right? That is third and Renfro cooking. He had a few third-down receptions today. But then you see, you know, two series later, whatever it is, Raiders can't get any type of rhythm. And, and as I said, I'm certainly not, you know, an X's and O's mastermind, but you just wonder, like, why is that? Like, philosophically, you know, I would understand maybe game, game to game or even half to half, but the fact that we're so granular that drive to drive, it can look so drastically different, has got to be the most frustrating thing for fans. There's got to be more opportunity, and this is, uh, I've, I've used this comparison with you before, but when you watch Miami's offense, like when everybody goes and watches the Miami Packers game, watch how much pre-snap movement and motion happens. Because mm-hmm. And all of it has a purpose. Like this isn't the, the NFL of 20 years ago where you just put somebody in motion for the heck of it. Like it, it's, it gives keys, it gives tells to the quarterback. It all has purpose. It also tests eye discipline, as they say all the time. When you watch how much motion early in the games there is before everything, but then you watch later in games, it's like as the game moves on, the offense feels more like it's just walk up to the line of scrimmage and let's just get this playoff. Let's just get this playoff. It's far less intentional pre-snap than it is early in the game. I don't know why that's the approach, but it's part of what self-scouting wise has to be fixed. I mean, that that's part of the numbers they keep talking about that the, the scouting will show in certain formations, the Raiders run every time. Well, you've got to figure that stuff out. Scouting, that's one That's one area I think the coaching staff is going to have to challenge themselves in this offseason is looking at the way they're doing things week to week to figure out how they can vary their own process. Uh, you and I are recording this, uh, just to lift the veil a little bit, right after the game. So Derek Carr just went to the podium and our beat writers are tweeting. And, and Derek just, I guess, is an opening, in his opening remarks goes, yeah, we're talented, but talented doesn't mean wins. And that is 100%. You know, if we want to talk about who the Raiders in, in 2022 are, it kind of feels like that. They're an incredibly talented group. On paper, right? Like, if you put this team in Madden, you feel really good about lining up and going out and doing your thing. But there's just been some sort of disconnect. And I think that is going to be the million-dollar question over the next two weeks, but really this offseason, too, is what is the source of that disconnect? Is it just year one in a new system? Is it is it personnel? Is it just kind of figuring out the newness of the Josh McDaniel, excuse me, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler era? And I'm, you know, candidly, it's probably a mixture of all of it, right? Like we talked about, there's no easy answer for why things have kind of fallen flat for the silver and black this year. But 
man, just just a no matter how you shake a fist, just a tough one to swallow tonight. It's also supposed to look better these weeks because we finally have Waller and Renfro together yes. with Devontae. Right, like the first two, we didn't have that for the majority of the season. So a key over the last month of the season is to see everybody come together. And I think in that process, we expected to see an offense that was clicking on more cylinders. Like there should, just on to your Madden point, on paper, this Raiders offense going up against that 49ers defense next week should be one of those marquee, oh my God, I can't wait to see this matchup because it's iron sharpens iron. And instead, you look at it and say, man, I, I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. We saw a really nice catch from Darren Waller tonight. We saw a really nice moment from Hunter Renfro. Uh, but we, we haven't seen all of it gel together. It just, to Derek's point, you can talent it, but that doesn't equal wins. Then the question becomes, how do you take that talent and turn it into wins? And that's going to be, Ziegler and, and McDaniels are going to have a lot of lifting to do this offseason, figure that portion of it out. And I think the most wild part of all of this fits is, is you're 100% right, but we talk about, hey, this game next weekend or you know, New Year's Day back at Allegiant against the Niners, which I think we all anticipate is going to be a crazy environment. And you, It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Raiders went back to the formula and Josh Jacobs does have 130 rushing yards and Devontae Adams does have two touchdowns. It's just we talk about that inconsistency, right? And one week is great, the other, next week is not so great. So it's... Like I said, I feel like I keep saying it a lot. It's just it's maddening and confusing that you you have a hard time finding that consistency. And, and to your point, yeah, like Josh and Dave are going to have to, when all this is said and done, I think it's important to clarify as we sit here at 6 and 9, uh, not officially eliminated from playoff contention. There is still a shred of hope, uh, but that could all change uh, by, the end, by the end of the games tomorrow afternoon. And as we sit here, right, you know, not, not officially eliminated, but Dave and Josh are going to have to really figure out what that missing oomph is to kind of get this team to not only play these one possession games, because it feels like that's all the Raiders do is play one possession games that go down to the literally final play. Like they are very Vikings-esque in that way. But how do you get from where the Raiders are, are right now and they're not winning these games to where the Vikings are, and we saw it earlier today, where they somehow, some way, don't know how they do it, but they come up finding, uh, come up and figure out how to find a way to get that W, and that's what the Raiders are, are lacking I mean, in twenty two. Isn't that what the Raiders? That's did what last they were year. a year ago, one hundred percent. But the wild part about it is our stats and info group sent me the note today that with the Cowboys uh, coming back and getting that win, there is more record for most blown double digit leads in any one season in NFL history this year. So across the board, we've seen more big leads blown than ever before, double digit leads, and. That speaks to the fact that you've got to be able to continue to put pressure on the other team and you've got to be able to cover. Your, your defensive backfield needs to be better than ever because once teams, it used to be third and 13 was like, well, this is never going to be converted. Now there's a bunch of teams out there that third and 13 means drop back and absolutely sling it. So if you've either got to be able to, to just get after the quarterback at an alarming rate, which is what we expected from this defense, frankly, when we started, or you have to be able to cover almost everybody to win these types of football games. So, it's going to be interesting because on a day where the defense did its part minus three or four plays, like I'm not, I'm never going to fault the defense for losing out on three or four plays when the offense had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to put this game away. The offense was supposed to be the same. Like we came into this year saying, if we just get okay defensive yep. play, this could be a Super Bowl caliber football team. Well, today we got better than okay defensive play, and the offense just let them down. And speaking of the uh, the guys on defense that are going to get lost in all of this, because that's what happens after you lose, just two guys real quick. I mean, Clee Farrell, his best game in 
a long time, and I'm, I'm not saying that to, to be facetious or to uh, to put Klee down at all, but best game that we have seen number 99 play in quite some time in silver and black. Uh, and then another guy, Tyler Hall, I thought had a really nice evening. Really nice evening. Uh, once again, doesn't really matter all that much since the Raiders ultimately took that L, but you look at some of these guys now individually, and, and let's be honest, over these last two games, you know, I'm sure Dave and Josh are looking at guys that finish hard, right? That keep putting it out there, that keep doing what they're asked to do, that, that go above and beyond, that are exceeding their role. And I think tonight, Cleve Farrell did that. Stepped up, Chandler Jones goes down. We see him unfortunately get carted off. Next play, Cleve comes in, uh, in, inside pressure on Kenny Pickett for, helps force that interception. So, I mean, just because we are now, you know, kind of clinging to the hope of hope of hope. Of, of playing postseason football doesn't mean that these guys are not going to pin their ears back and go to work, Fitz. Well, especially for Klee, who's got so much to play for. Like, he's going to be on a football team next year, whether it's in whether it's in Vegas or whether it's somewhere else. He's playing for his future, right? And when you see a guy come in like that, then it makes you really feel like, wow, because one thing we have to understand is when you run complicated systems, the hope for those coaches that run complicated systems, whether it's offensive or defensive, is that you can keep somebody in the system long enough for them to become an expert in it, right? So the hope you'd, you'd almost rather overpay a little to keep somebody that knows your system that you don't have to reteach complexity to. So when you see somebody like Lee that's getting some reps and we'll see what it means for the next few weeks, but if he comes in and makes a huge impact, then it certainly makes a statement that, hey, this guy still has value to the organization. Sure, it may not be obviously like Max Crosby contract value, but in the world of just getting out there and continuing his career, he showed the Raiders a lot today. I, I think that's part of the great thing is that there's a whole group of building block guys here that have the opportunity to show that they should still be around next year. Yeah, and, and we were talking. I was watching the game with Eric Allen today and, and Peyton and our, our production guys. Right. And uh, and I'll, you want to hear a great EA flex, by the way? I just I oh, feel yeah, like yeah, I have yeah. to tell the story at some point. Yeah, 100%. So we were uh, – we were just sitting around and we, we were talking about, you know, Steeler players of, of old and we were kind of just going down the rabbit hole. And I said, man, you know, when I was a little kid, Cordell Stewart was one of my favorite players, man. I just I loved the way he played. And EA, in just the, the classic EA way where he, was, he wasn't like doing this to like make a big deal or anything, he just goes, he goes oh, yeah, I picked him. He goes, I, actually, <laughs> he goes, actually, I, I picked him, pick six them, actually. And then we were going, I was like, well, that's just like the coolest thing that I've ever heard. And. And he was talking, we were, amazing. we were like, oh, you know, who else did you get? And he's like, oh, he's like, I got Favre a couple times, and I got Steve Young. That was a good one. And I'm just like, what a what a gem. What a gem. Shout out to Eric Allen. Shout yeah, out to yeah. EA. I, I, every time I have had the opportunity to meet him and hang around him when I'm around you guys, all I think about is the number of times that, like, when he was on Madden, you just didn't even throw to his side of the field. Like, my guy, unthrowable. Like, you just, you just take that whole – Eric Allen Island was the thing on Madden for a long time. Yeah, he's a machine. But but anyways, back to my original point is we were talking about uh, some of these young guys, and Luke Masterson is the guy that I brought up, where I think if you're kind of looking at, at nice little positive bubble stories from this year, the fact that Luke Masterson has played himself into a nice little role in this defense is something that we should all commend him for uh, and really give credit to Dave and his staff, too, for finding him. I mean, yes, I know that the Perryman situation is the Perryman situation. He gets uh, he leaves early with the elbow, or excuse me, the shoulder. But Luke Masterson led the team in tackles again today. Let me just confirm that real quick. Yep, leads the team in tackles and has just been been out there balling out and doing his thing. So we're looking if we're over these final two weeks, Fitz, if we're looking at individual pieces, guys that you want to see a little bit more from. I want to see a little more Luke Masterson. I want to see a little Tyler Hall. 
I want to see this version of Cleveland Furl. I would love to see this version for the next two weeks. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, who's part of this thing long-term in 2023 and beyond? And I think those are a few young guys uh, to keep an eye on as we come down the stretch here. Yeah, well, Masterson, by the way, I noticed today he had one play where he'd taken a little bit, he'd gone a little bit too far to one side. He couldn't recover fast enough. And afterwards, you just saw him, like, clap his hands in frustration. But there was a, a – it made me realize, watching that live on the broadcast, man, my guy doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. For somebody that came from out of nowhere, like, he's just solidly where he needs – he's around the football all the time, and he's rarely out of position. So, kudos to him. And and you're right. You mentioned him earlier, too, though. There's a lot to be learned from every rep for Parham still. Mm -hmm. Like, if, when you talk about somebody that came into camp possibly a center, possibly a guard, playing multiple positions – They've really settled in. There's, there's this moment here where you can look at the line and say between Colton, Dylan, and Andre James, like you've got a real opportunity for the left side of this line to get together and gel together for the next five years. So there's growth to happen, especially taking on a defense as good as San Francisco next week. There's a real opportunity for growth. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, that's that you're not going to have a better test for a young offensive line than going against that Niners front, man. I mean, they got a lot to play for there. I mean, I would assume statistically the number one or number two defense in the NFL. We're going to have to wait for the release to come out this week. But a, a no-joke uh, big dog defense and Dylan Parham, Colt Miller, all those guys that you mentioned, they are going to have their hands full. Uh, but I think even, I think looking ahead ever so slightly fits, I think tomorrow, excuse me, next week, throw the records out, right? I mean, who knows where the Raiders are going to be in terms of the big picture by the time that, uh, that we kick off on New Year's Day. But I think for me, I'm really excited because it feels like it has kind of like that college rivalry week feel to it, right? I, I know it's no longer the Battle of the Bay, but to a lot of people, it still is the Battle of the Bay. So it'll be really exciting to see that kind of moment, that electricity in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, and this is the first time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, that the Niners have come out to Vegas. So uh, it'll be it'll be a blast to see. And for a Raiders offense, man, going to be a really good test, like you said. Yeah, well, and, and the Raiders defense is going to get tested all over the place. I don't care about Brock Purdy being the quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, has been covered uh, at nauseous this point on ESPN, I watched a, a lot of him covering college football. He's an okay quarterback, but this, this offense is all about Christian McCaffrey, who is, is playing the way everybody thought Christian McCaffrey would when he had a real team around him. So it is a delight to watch them on both sides of the football. I'm not sure right now, if, if I had to bet my house on the Eagles or the 49ers, I think I would actually bet on the 49ers because that defense is playing so incredibly well. So between them and then the, the Kansas City Chiefs to end up the year, like, that's always such a statement game anyway, but there will be a lot on the line for the Chiefs there because the number one pit or the number one uh, uh, seed in the AFC should still be up for grabs at that point. So it's interesting to see how this team goes out and fights. You know, like you said, not technically eliminated for anyone that doesn't know at this point, either Miami or the Chargers would have to lose all of their remaining games and the Raiders would have to win out. That's the only way that the Raiders get into the playoffs. So uh, it was Miami would have to lose two of three, but now it, it's it's a full-on lose-out for either of those teams. L.A., the, the Chargers schedule, incredibly easy. I don't think that's going to happen, but Miami does have some difficulty in there, so maybe that's the little straw, but then I, I, this is the philosophical question I say to you all the time, Eddie. Like, the question shouldn't always be, can we make the playoffs? The question is, are we good? Mm -hmm. And right now, I think it's fair to look at this season and say it has been a disappointment that it hasn't been a, as good a football team as I expected. Uh, and then you got to start looking at it and saying, who's who are the building blocks? Who are the foundational pieces? And how does it get better next year? Because things have gone wildly wrong this year, and we're still talking about the playoffs two weeks away. So it's not that far off 
from being a good football team, but they have to figure out how to make it better. Yeah, and then, like I said, that's the the big decisions that Josh uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are gonna have to make, and uh, and I don't envy those decisions because man, it is if we see if we've learned one thing this year, Fitz, and I feel like we learned it every single year. It is tough to win in the NFL. It is tough to put together the right fifty three guys to make that happen. It is an incredibly challenging uphill battle to succeed at doing that, and uh, that's why only one team wins the Super Bowl every year. But Fitz. It was so nice to see you on the holiday. You want me to? Are you not going to turn the? I'll light it up. No, no, I'll light it up. I'll light it up as promised. As promised. Uh, so I have this sweater here. Everyone who's watching this on on the YouTube can see. But uh, here we go. I'll, I'll even move the camera for you or the mic. Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I want to do like here comes Eddie Claus. Here comes Eddie Claus. Right down Eddie Claus Lane. I just made you Santa. That was the. Uh, that was the, yep. the thing I did there. Yeah, yep. you're welcome, America. Well, uh, while unfortunately not a ton to celebrate right now, uh, much to celebrate in general, though. Health and happiness fits, and uh, it has been a great year because we have gotten to hang out uh, as much as we have, and I think we're going to see you once more before the season ends, TBD, yes. whether that's in our virtual setting or in person here in beautiful oh, I'm Las coming. Vegas. I'm, I'm, All walk, right. I'm, walking in, I'm walking into Allegiant like I own the damn place. Let's All right. go. All right, Kansas City. Jason Fitz is going to be there. Well, he's going to be in Vegas when we play Kansas City. But you guys get what I meant. Uh, Regardless, though, Fitz, it was so good to see you. Happy holidays to you and yours. So, Freddie Pascal, my man Jason Fitz, Alan the Ones and Twos. And everyone, I just want to give a real quick shout-out to everyone in the control room right now who's just grinding on a holiday. I know they got a ton to do to help us make our little uh, our little programs here. But big shout-out to all those uh, all those very talented folks back there. And we will see you guys next week. Uh, fun fact, we will be in the Twitch lounge next week, right? Al, Al's giving me the thumbs up. So we Ooh. will be in the Twitch lounge uh, following the Niners game for our next episode of the fifth quarter presented by Twitch. Thank you for listening to the fifth quarter presented by Twitch. Make sure to download the Raiders mobile app and we'll see you next week. Karma Automotive, Forbes Magazine's most anticipated luxury electric vehicle. Karma Automotive is a luxury EV brand designed and manufactured in California. Proud sponsor and official luxury vehicle of the Las Vegas Raiders. Charge the motion beyond EV. Karma Automotive.